Hi everyone, this is Lauren George and Kia and this is Fit and Fierce on the Mic, a podcast dedicated to helping you improve your fitness, refine your teaching and coaching technique, and to help you grow your fitness business. On this podcast, you'll get expert knowledge, advice, and tangible tips from leading fitness experts across the country. Our goal is to help you be fit, fierce, and the best fitness professional you can be. On today's episode, we will briefly discuss our professional fitness journeys and top 10 tips to elevate your fitness class experience and to take your classes from good to great. Howdy, everybody. This is Lauren and Kia. Thank you so much for joining us on our premiere episode. We couldn't be more excited to start this podcast journey with you all. On this episode, we're both going to share a little bit about our professional fitness journeys and where we have been and what we have done in the industry, as well as 10 tips to help you elevate your class experience. So we're going to kick it off with Kia. Kia, can you tell me a little bit about your fitness journey? Sure, it'll be my pleasure. So fit, I, I think I credit my initial exposure to organized or instructional fitness to watching my mother participate with Denise Austin on our TV every morning in the living room. Um, and I would do that with her. And I thought it was just so exciting and fun that this lady got to travel to all these beautiful places and um, coach people along their fitness journeys. So that was something that I thought was just the coolest thing and what I wanted to do. Um, as a kid, of course, I played a lot of sports. I ran track. Um, I played volleyball since I was 11 all the way through high school. Um, so I think that that sports dance and cheer was kind of a, a gateway into fitness as well. So as a high school volleyball player, I played on many teams, my high school team, club teams, traveled a lot. My family supported me and followed along with the buses from tournament to tournament, game to game. Um, and I was, I was pretty good, but knowing that I was only 5'4", I knew I wouldn't go to the AVP. I wouldn't be a professional volleyball player. But when I was about 16, one of my volleyball coaches saw that um, I was pretty good with yoga because I had been studying yoga from watching videos and, and studying different yoga professionals and teachers and trying to learn the craft. So she invited me to lead the team through yoga practices. So that was pretty cool. So I think that I will credit that as my first experience as teaching, teaching to the volleyball team. And then I got bit by the, the bug. So I would go to different teams and teach them what I knew about integrating yoga into sport. Um, when I was much younger, like in, in middle school, my track coach was also a strength and conditioning coach. So she taught me a lot about how to be responsible in the weight room and proper techniques with squats and, and, and bench press and things like that. And then in high school, one of our freshmen, um, excuse me, basketball coaches saw me in the weight room and was like, wait a minute, you know what you're doing. Let's develop this a little bit more. So I started spending a lot more time in the weight room with coaches in addition to on my own developing what I knew about yoga. Um, so yeah, I continued to work with different teams with yoga and strength and conditioning just from what I knew from um, practicing with professionals. And then from there, my senior year in high school, I broke my foot. 
So that was it for volleyball. No more volleyball for me. So as I was rehabbing and going to different gyms, working with different physical therapists, I stumbled upon a group fitness class and I was like, whoa, what is going on in here? This is my jam. This is where I should have been a long time ago. Like people are moving to to music, slinging sweat around, listening, blowing each other, high-fiving each other. I was like, wait a minute now. Why didn't anybody tell me that this is what goes down in the gym? All I knew, all I knew before was the weight room. And I was like, wait, somebody's been lying to me all this time. So that's when, so that's when I knew that Love it. was home for me. So I, taken, I started taking as many classes as I could and talking to the instructors and them telling me how they got certified and what certifications were out there. And then, of course, one day, an instructor was like, and then Kia's got to come up and teach this segment. And I was like, deer in the headlights, like, no, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I got up there and and I felt her positive energy and her encouragement. And so I led a segment of a step class. And to me, it was awful. But everyone in was just cheering and smiling and encouraging me and I was like okay maybe I can do this I can't so going into college I joined our rec center as a participant because you know I love group fitness classes and that's all that I wanted to do but as I continued to personally develop my own teaching and coaching skills I got a job at a jazzercise gym in town or locally in town and, and was vibing with them, working with them and developing. And eventually I was confident enough to audition to be an instructor at our um, college rec center. So I got hired, started, t- started teaching everything on the schedule, about 17 classes per week. And I look back on that now and I'm like, we were crazy. Oh, yes, we, we were. How about <laughs> we teach a 17 class? But we did it. We I did know, it. we had so much fun. We, oh, yeah. As soon as anyone put a sub request up, we jumped on it. I was like, I'm taking that class. Like, how many more classes can I teach? Just having a good time. And then from there, I started teaching at, like, um, LA Fitness and other small gyms in the area, hospitals in the areas, um, getting certification after certification. I said yes a lot. Anytime my group fitness manager asked me to do anything, I said yes. So before I knew it, I had like 16 certifications under my belt and I'm teaching this and that here and there and just having fun with it. It was just, it didn't feel like work. It just felt like fun, you know? Um, And so during that time in college, I was studying, actually, I was a double major, radio, television, and film in English with a minor in Spanish. So for forever, I just thought that I wanted to be a writer, you know? So I was working for a production company that felt more like a full-time job and teaching felt, uh, group fitness teaching felt a little bit more like a part-time job, you know, like fun, just moonlighting, just having a good time, filling my cup. And then my senior year in college is when I met you. You came to be our graduate assistant for our group fitness program. And we just amped it up even more, our group fitness program, just elevated what we were doing, the services that we were providing. And I just I just couldn't get enough of you. I couldn't get enough of, Likewise. of, of, <laughs> of, of, of group fitness. Um, so 
as I'm working at this production company, I know I'm bouncing around every, everywhere with this story, but that's just my We got you. That's just, that's just how my brain works. It's like ping pong. But anyway, so as I'm working in this production company, I realized, you know, I don't want to sit in a dark room editing packages anymore. I don't want to be, you know, rushing from one location to another to get a story or the scoop. Um, so I started feeling this, this big conflict of, oh my gosh, I've invested four years of college and a lot of money into getting these degrees. And now I'm like, I don't want to do this. What am I going to do? So you and I sat and talked about it and just, you know, just girlfriends chatting of what the heck comes next, you know, like, what what am I going to do with these degrees and, and like, how do I make money? How do I take care of myself? And you said, you know, well, I'm a graduate assistant and I'm leaving soon and they're looking for someone else and everyone's, you know, mentioning your name and I'm going to tell the director that you're interested. And I was like, okay, whatever that is, <laughs> sure, I, I can teach all the classes that we have on our schedule. Sure. Let's do this. And so I interviewed with a concussion. I had gotten concussion. Do you remember this? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I went in and I, I, I interviewed, did the best that I could. And I walked you did out great. and I walked out and I was like, I got to tell these people that the reason why my eyes are like darting across the room and that I'm like slurring my words is because I have a concussion. So I go back in and I'm like, okay, just so you all know, I have a concussion, but I really want this job. So consider me. And you guys just started laughing. You were like, <laughs> you're like, girl, you did great. What are you talking about? You blah, did. Blah, blah. So I got the job. Yay. So I had to go to grad school at this point. I'm like, I'm so to school, but I can do this. <laughs> take, take the GRE. Got it. Got into grad school. Became the graduate assistant at the University of North Texas for fitness. So I had the pleasure of working with just brilliant individuals, brilliant students, um, supervising personal trainers, group fitness instructors, learning about scheduling classes, um, customer service um let me think what else any and everything that you can learn is being a manager so a lot of the behind the scenes that you know as an instructor maybe we didn't know was going on that kept the business rolling for us um teaching uh new instructors how to be instructors getting people certified uh working on, you know, projection plans, annual budgets, things like that. So I just knew like, this is home for me. This is how I, I can not only elevate what I was giving to others, but elevate myself as a fitness service provider. So I continue going to conferences, taking sessions about, you know, management and, and upscaling your program and your business. And it just kind of morphed into what we have today and why you and I are here today with this fabulous podcast that I'm just so super stoked about. But enough about me. How about you, Laura? We want to hear about your fitness journey. And in addition to that, I have five very interesting questions that I think our listeners and I would love to know a little bit more about you. Are you down for that, girl? I'm ready. Hit me. All right. Well, first, tell us about your uh, professional fitness journey and how you got here today. 
Okay. All right. So going back, my professional fitness journey or my fitness journey, I should say, starts in high school, kind of like yours. I was never, despite my daddy's best, best efforts, I was never a superstar athlete in anything. But from the very beginning, which now looking back is is a little bit strange, I just loved organized fitness. I would do fitness DVDs. I would go for a run. I was a cheerleader. Um, and every day after cheerleading practice, I would go to the track and run the track and do weights. Like I loved actual exercise, even though I was never, you know, great at volleyball or softball or anything like that. Um, but I've always loved sports. So after I graduated from high school, um, I actually didn't know that we had this in common, but I started college at Texas A&M University as a political science major with a minor in Spanish as well. Um, yeah, I know. I didn't know that. So I went to Texas A&M and the very first semester I took a kinesiology class and I was like, wait a minute, people make this a full-time career. Somebody <laughs> right. sign me up. So again, despite my daddy's best efforts, I decided to change my degree to sport management and kinesiology. And this spring semester of my freshman year, I went through an awesome program um, that Texas A&M has called Group Fitness Instructor Training. And it is a semester long program where you meet every Sunday and they teach you how to count music and how to put together step combinations and how to have presence and how to be a fitness instructor. It's It was so amazing because you can sit for an AFA exam or an ACE exam and that's great, but it doesn't really teach you all of those, you know, intangible skills that you need to actually really be a great instructor. So at the end of that course, you had to audition and my amazing mentor, Dayon Woosley, um, always said, if you can teach step, you can teach anything. So we all had to audition with either step aerobics or kickboxing so we could show that we could teach um, on the 32 count. So I auditioned with Step, and that's where my very first love of Step came in. So Absolutely. after working at the rec center and teaching, like you said, like 17 classes a week, of course, because you got to pay the bills, um, I also became the fitness assistant. So I got to work in Dayon Woosley, who was the fitness director's office. And like you, see all the behind the scenes of creating a schedule and training other instructors and um, putting on specialty programs and running a boot camp. So it was really kind of my first look at like really the management side of gyms. Right um, and that's when I decided, you know, I loved campus recreation. I loved working with new fitness professionals. I really fell in love, even at that point as a junior and senior in college with mentoring new instructors. And that has been my number one passion ever since then. So in college, my junior year of college, because I was, you know, teaching 17 classes a week, um, I decided it would be a fantastic idea to also train for a marathon at the same time. And I ended up with a really bad stress fracture in oh, my sacrum. Man. And it was kind of, you know, a blessing in disguise. I think as fitness instructors, we learn from every injury. We learn how to cue better and how to coach better, how to be empathetic for what other people are going through. So um, my, yeah, my injury also had had the awesome um, outcome or one of the great outcomes of that injury was I still needed to be able to teach. And Dayon was wanting to start offering Pilates at that time. So I went and got my first Matt Pilates certification um, with Power Pilates and started teaching Matt Pilates, which really kind of started my whole bar journey. So after college, I graduated, I got married six days after I graduated college. <laughs> you know, we like to do things fast. 
Um, So I got married and then we moved to Dallas because my husband got a job in Dallas and I became the graduate assistant at UNT, which was another fabulous experience um, where I met you and we did all, all kinds of fun and creative things. Um, And after I finished my master's degree, I got my first full-time big girl job as the group fitness director at the Baylor Tom Landry Fitness Center in downtown Dallas. So I was, you know, stepped out of campus recreation for a little bit and got some real world, um, well, not that campus rec isn't real world, but outside of the college world um, experience running a gigantic health club in downtown Dallas, which really opened my eyes to the fact that you have to program for different populations. Programming for college students is way different than programming at a health club that has everyone from med students to 80-year-olds who are coming back post-rehab. So it was a really great experience. Um, The story of my life kind of goes, my husband gets a new job and we move. So my husband got a new job. We went to Florida State University where I got to step back into campus recreation as a group fitness coordinator there, which was absolutely amazing. I felt just so right back at home, going back to campus rec. Um, And while I was there, well, I should backtrack just a little bit. While I was at the Baylor Tom Landry Fitness Center, I finished my certification or I went through level one, two, and three in reformer and level one, two, and three in the apparatus um, with balanced body Pilates. So I dove kind of deeper into Pilates. And that was also when Barr was first starting out and Key and I both work for a company called Bar Above. Um, We're both Mm -hmm. master trainers for that company. That was kind of my first dive really into bar. I had grown up dancing and cheering, obviously, and then Pilates, but this is when the bar craze was starting. And I just, from the very first bar class that I took, I love all fitness formats. I've taught like Kia, probably everything under the sun. But when I took that bar class, I knew this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to do. And this is what I'm going to do for the long haul. Like this is it. This is my calling. Mm -hmm. And so I got a bunch of different bar certifications. And while I was at Florida State, I had the opportunity to develop an in-house training, a bar training for our instructors, because at that point, you know, bar above wasn't around, there wasn't really a certification that you could bring into your studio to teach. So that was my first kind of dive into curriculum development um, and developing programming and a certification. So then again, my husband gets another new job, we move um, (laughs) back to Texas. So now we're in Austin. Um, the first thing I do in Austin is I, I taught full time. So I taught at a boot camp, I taught at a Pilates studio, and I taught at a cycling studio. And I like to mention that because I did make a full time living as a fitness instructor and personal trainer. I wasn't in any kind of management at that time. Um, And so it is totally possible. I then did take over a management position at the Pilates studio that I was running. um, And I was their operations director. And then I taught. um, And it was in Austin where I developed my first bar company, which was called Pulse Point Bar. And Mm -hmm. I owned Pulse Point Bar for about three years. Um, taught all over the country, did some of the big conferences. Um, And then again, while in Austin, my husband gets another new job. We moved to Clemson, South Carolina. I'm still doing Pulse Point Bar. I teach for Clemson University um, as adjunct faculty. Um, Yeah, so I did that for a little bit, took a little break. I'm actually going back this semester to teach, which I'm really excited about being back in the classroom with the college students. Um, Yeah, I know. I'm super pumped. 
also um, I'm teaching in the nonprofit leadership um, minor course. So anywho, but while um, I was on this journey, Bar Above approached me about merging our two programs. We just felt like we yeah. really had similar goals and our principles that we founded our programs on were very similar um, and that we just thought we could reach more people and help more instructors if we did it together. So at the end of 2017, Bar Above and Pulse Point Bar merged, which was also really exciting because then Key and I got to work together again. Um, So we rewrote the curriculum, relaunched the new Enhanced Bar Above program and the musicality method. And then um, after we did that, right about the same time, actually, because I like to do lots of things at the same time, like Kia, um, (laughs) I opened a fitness studio here in Clemson. So I'm also a studio owner. I own a boutique studio here in Clemson called Clemson Fitness Company, where we Mm -hmm. offer all different types of formats. Um, So I have in the past couple of years been running Clemson Fitness Company, working with Bar Above, teaching conferences and developing different programming. Um, Kia and I are also both master trainers for an awesome program called Balatone. So we get to work together on that as well. So um, one of the things that we are just so excited about launching this podcast was that we have both worked in so many different facets of the industry. Because Kia, after you left UNT, then, then where did you go? Tell us about that. Sure, sure, sure. So after I graduated from the University of North Texas and could no longer be their graduate assistant, I got a full-time job at Texas A&M Commerce as their group fitness coordinator. And from there, I got a promotion to the assistant director of fitness, where I managed all of the fitness areas for them. So um, this was a collaboration of managing the weight room area, ordering equipment, making sure that it remains state-of-the-art and state. Uh, and safe rather, uh, managed group fitness, personal training, um, massage therapy, any and everything, lots of management, lots of development of students and instructors um, and personal trainers. And then from there, I started managing my personal business. So doing consultations for different gyms in the areas, different businesses and managers. I was always business minded coming up. My family owned their own um, business or trucking company. So I, I knew a lot about just through osmosis I guess about <laughs> man about managing personnel and um, being a, a good leader so developing in that area as well um, continued to consult and then I went on to work at a different rec center for a different university um, and Worked full-time in that regard, but in addition to that, because I don't know why you and I just wear so many hats. I think it's how the fitness industry works. You know, I think so. So in addition to, to managing large staffs and large facilities, I work as a master trainer for Savier Fitness, Balatone Bar Above. Um, So I go around and I have the pleasure of teaching other teachers how to teach these formats. And it's just amazing. Like I said before, I absolutely love to travel. Um, I think Again, I will credit maybe Denise Austin for for um, opening my eyes to, you know, you can travel and do fitness and make money or make a living off of it. But also because my family owned a trucking company, I'm, I'm used to being on the road. It just feels like home being in different hotels or, you know, crashing on <laughs> crashing on my friend's couches. Thank you right. so much. Thank you so much, Lauren, for letting me sleep in your guest room. So many Anytime, times. girl. <laughs> you know, and I just I 
just really love being around fitness-minded people and people who want to learn and develop and grow. I feel like that's me paying it forward because when I was in college, so many people invested their time and energy to helping me develop as an instructor and as a personal trainer. And I just feel like that's something we should do now, now that we're able, now that we're capable, is to invest our time and energy into into developing other individuals as well. So as much as I can be on the road and travel and meet different people and, you know, say yes to them. Hey, Kia, can you help me with this combination? Absolutely. Yes, I will. So even though I have a full-time job, even though I'm traveling for a wonderful company who supports my love for fitness, I'm still a group fitness instructor and a yoga teacher. So I teach at different studios here in town and YMCAs and in different gyms because that's home to me. That was, that's where I first felt accepted and loved was in the group fitness area. So I, I think that I will retire doing group fitness. I want, I want to be 99 years old, still teaching yoga classes. Okay, We will teach until the bitter end. Yes. Until the wheels fall off. And I that's right. literally, okay. So that that um, in a nutshell, of course, there are many other, you know, nuances and experiences that you and I have had with each other with the right. fitness industry. But in a nutshell, those are our journeys. So now, Lauren, I hope you're ready. You know, Uh-oh. brace yourself. Okay. Brace yourself, my friend. <laughs> I have five juicy questions for you. Okay. And I want you to be completely honest, open intimate and maybe even vulnerable as you answer these because our listeners and including myself we want to know more about you we follow you online we follow your fitness journey and we just want to we feel like we know you already you know okay all right let's know the real all right okay so question number one if you could tell us just one just one highlight of your fitness journey, whether that's personal or professional, just one highlight. So you got to sum it up, girl. One. Ooh. Okay, one. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Okay. Um, so I think the highlight or I guess when I really kind of had that like light shining down, this is what you're supposed to do with your life moment was actually at a and I was a senior and I was training a new instructor who was just like so so, so struggling with the music. And there were points where she was like, Lauren, I don't know if this is for me. And I'm not going to lie. At some points, I was like, am I ever going to be able to help her get this? Like, I really don't know how to help her get this. So we practiced and we practiced and she was team teaching in class with me and it was her turn. She got up there and she was teaching and she got it. Like she was on me. She was switched on top of the 32 count and you could just see her face light up. And I don't know if I have ever been so excited for another instructor. And I mean, I've trained thousands of instructors and I will never forget that moment that this girl got the music while she was teaching her strength class. And she went on, she was a freshman, I think, when I was training her and taught the entire rest of her college career. Right um, on. It was, it was just magical. It was awesome. Very good. I love Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Question number two. What is a must-have that you have to have when you travel? You travel a lot as a master trainer and developer. What's a must-have, whether it's fitness-related or not? 
Oh, I would say dry shampoo or my AirPods because I get very anxious in airports and uh-huh. like just all the people in the crowds. And so having my AirPods in with like calming music right on. really helps. Good for you. That's good. Um, and you teach so many classes, many, many different formats and modalities. If you had to sum it up, which one would be your favorite to teach? Oh, I have to say bar. bar. I love them all. But if I could only pick one to teach forever, it would have to be bar. The The amount that you can be creative with bar, both musical and choreography wise, gives it the longevity factor, I think. Very good. Good for you. And this is a juicy one. Okay. Okay. One and only vice or guilty pleasure. Tell me what that is for you. Okay, fitness people, don't judge me, but I love Coke Zero. What? (laughs) Don't judge me. I wasn't me to be on it at all, and I feel like I know you. (laughs) You told me to be on. I try. I try. I try to limit myself, but you know when you're really stressed out and you're like, I need a glass of wine. I'm like, somebody get me a Coke Zero. Coke Zero. Okay, girl. (laughs) I know what your next Christmas gift will be. Now you know. That is now you know. (laughs) That is so funny and so random. Thank you for that. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Okay. Tell us your most embarrassing fitness or teaching moments. Oh, okay. Well, there have been um, plenty of embarrassing moments, but the (laughs) ultimate one has to be when I was in Dallas teaching at the Baylor Tom Landry Fitness Center. I was teaching a class. It was Zumba or hip hop Mm -hmm. dance, some kind of dance class. And I had downloaded what I thought was the edited version of a song that says the F word like every other song. It was a Black Eyed Peas song. And the edited version is fine because they they change it out for another word. I don't even remember now. And the song is going, you know, sometimes when you're teaching, you're just teaching based on like the beat. You're not paying a ton of attention. Right. And so I'm at least halfway through this class when this sweet little old lady comes up and taps on my shoulder and she goes, while you're teaching, while I'm teaching, like <laughs> microphone. Oh, with at least 50 people in the class, like a packed class. Too. It's in the biggest room. Taps me on the shoulder. and was like, you do realize this is saying the F word. I was like, oh no, I gosh. don't. Oh, my gosh. And like I ran over to the stereo. I was like, next song, next song. And she just like looked at me so disapprovingly. I was like. I'm going to get fired. I'm totally going to get fired. <laughs> but that was my, that was probably my most embarrassing or at least most memorable one because she definitely stopped me in the middle of class. I was like, oh gosh. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I can only imagine your face as you're teaching and someone oh, is like towards you. You're like, what do I do? I, gotta I was mortified. Teaching. I was so mortified. <laughs> and then you're, the, you're like, I'm halfway through class. So I'm like, okay, get it together, Lauren. Get it together. What's the choreography for the next song? Like, come on. Regroup, you know, the show must go on. Right, always, yeah. girl. Always. It did. I don't remember how rough the rest of the class was. Probably pretty yeah. rough. But yeah, that's pretty high. embarrassing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Your turn, my friend. Are you my ready? Turn? I got five for you. Some okay. are similar. Some are a little different. Okay. Let's do okay. It. So the first one was similar. What's your most memorable professional experience? My most memorable professional experience. Man, um, a, a lot of memories with, you know, like you said, seeing other people's successes, whether it's a client or or someone I've been coaching, a group fitness instructor I'm developing. But I would, I'm going to make this a little personal. Do it. I think the first time that I taught on the big stage at a conference, 
is probably yes. one of my most memorable. I mean, going into it, of course, I practice super hard. I know my music forward and back. I know my choreography better than anyone ever will. But I had sweaty palms, sweaty pits. I was like, I'm going to throw up. But <laughs> you know what? When, yeah. you put, when you put that mic on and the music drops and you see all of those people who are just excited to move, you become Sasha Fierce. That's you right. Just, you just turn it on and you turn it out. So, yeah, I think my most memorable experience was the first time on the big stage. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, what is your favorite class to teach and then favorite class to take? Okay. Um, to teach. I would think anything where I can be completely creative. So maybe not a trademark class or name, sure. but maybe like a cross training class that I can create and develop on my own. I love using different fitness accessories and equipment. So like the BOSU balance trainer, uh, TRX, um, of course, dumbbells. So anything where I can gritty getting people's faces and start coaching you know love and that. drop, drop yeah. my voice like four octaves and sound like yes. Barry White on the mic That's I've heard I it I love it do. um but you said to take as well to take. to take okay um it's gotta be across do I have to pick one you can pick two I can pick two thank <laughs> you thank you because two. you know I'm no a woman and I can change my mind that's right. Um, definitely bar. I love to take and even teach bar classes. Like you said, just being creative and the number of things that you can just pull out and do with your body. I love to move to the rhythm. I love to dance. It makes me feel alive. So I love bar based classes, but also a cycle class. Listen, Ooh, yeah. when the lights go down and that music is hitting hard and we're climbing hills and we're hitting sprints. Girl, I just love that so much. It just feels so good. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Okay. Well, so you started to mention my third question a little bit. What, what is your favorite fitness or your favorite piece of fitness equipment? Oh, yeah, so you can absolutely. Only pick one. I can only What's pick one. Easy. Yep, one. The Bosu Balance Trainer. Girl, okay. I, have, I love that. That started thing. in college. You've always loved that thing. <laughs> I know. I love it so much that I named my dog Bosu. Okay. That's oh my god. I am insane. I am obsessed with the Bosu Balance Trainer. You know, um, and they've cr uh, created and released different colors of it and different sizes and everything. But as soon as they, I mean, I think that I'm giving them an idea if, they, if this is not already in development. As soon as they make one that's travel size, I'm all on it. That's right. <laughs> you know, I travel a lot. So I sneak in my resistant tubing into my bag, my, my gliding disc things like that that's portable that I can use in my hotels or or in the park nearby but if I could take a BOSU balance trainer with me girl I would we need to tell somebody they need to get on I know <laughs> get on the phone call your girl that's right um okay so when do you remember kind of an exact moment when you were like Maybe not when you made the full-time decision, because I feel like when you decided to apply for a graduate assistantship was when you like decided to go fitness full-time. Sure. But when did you start having this inkling of like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe this is it for me. When did you decide fitness was probably going to be what you did for your, for, for life, for your living? Sure, for sure. Um, it's probably still around that time that you mentioned when I became a graduate assistant. Uh, I wasn't aware that that was a position out there. Um, I have 
I had mentors and I guess I shouldn't call them mentors anymore who told me when I was younger, when I was like 19, that you can't make fitness full time. Like Mm -hmm. you have to have a big girl job. Right. So I was suffering going from, you know, job to job doing things that I didn't necessarily truly love things that was really filling my love tank. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but they gave me insurance, you know, I needed, yeah. I needed health insurance. You need, you know, I needed a 401k. I needed to make, you know, a paycheck, bring home a paycheck every month that was consistent, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I believe these people because I trusted them. So even though I knew that I was my happiest when I was personal training, when I was teaching group fitness classes, I just didn't have people investing time in me saying, you can do this full time, not at that time. But then when you and I had that intimate conversation of, I don't want to work in, you know, TV production anymore, not full time. Anyway, I still, right. love, I still love to write, you know, I mm-hmm. still love, I, I still love, you know, being behind the scenes, behind the camera and developing, but that's just not something I want to do from nine to five. And then you told me that you were leaving as the graduate assistant after a year in. And I was like, wait a minute, but I've known you for this whole year. You can't leave us now. (laughs) (laughs) But you were like, you know, let me introduce you to, to other people. So we had more conversations with our director, with our assistant director and coordinator. And that that was the segue of people saying, what? People told you you couldn't do fitness full time. They were lying to you, girl. This is how we're going to do it. Um, so so that was when I I knew all along, like, this is where I belong. I just didn't know the right. house behind it. Um, I just needed someone to, you know, kind of hold my hand a little bit. Someone I could trust to say, yeah, we can do this full time. And this is what it looks like. So uh, being able to audition for different companies to become master trainers and and travel and be able to to be in front of the crowd and teach and and develop people even more from what I had been doing in campus recreation. That's when I knew. This is where I belong. I have arrived and this is what I'm going to do forevermore. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Last but not least, because of course we have to ask this question. Oh. What is your most embarrassing teaching moment? <laughs> so I have quite a few because I'm just an embarrassing person. Okay, <laughs> I embrace who I am. I live in That's it. right. But if I had to, to recall just one instance, I was working at LA Fitness and I was teaching Zumba. And it's a class, like Zumba hit hard at LA Fitness when I was teaching it. So we had like 185 people on a regular basis in this space. I mean, it was insane. It was amazing. That's awesome. It was. And so I had never fallen in a group fitness class. But, you know, if you haven't fallen in front of a class, you haven't made it yet, right? Right, right. So totally. I was doing my thing, teaching my choreography, and before I knew it, I was on my butt. I don't even know how it happened. I just fell flat on my butt. But, you know, the show must go on. So I'm on the floor doing shoulder, shoulder, double, single, single, double. And oh, my gosh, of course you were. Think quick. How do I get back on my feet? And Lauren, listen. At least the entire front half of the class got on the floor on their no! it was going Those are all your visual learners. Double 
with me and I'm like oh my gosh I completely played that off but there's like one person who knows me really well in the class and she's like laughing but oh my gosh I love it looking at me like I got you girl just get up please just get up (laughs) so I got up and just kept going with the choreography that was so humiliating and so embarrassing but I can laugh about it now that right. I fell and the like half of the class fell with me. So I'm like, you know what? Group fitness is about community because that's right. People, they were going with you. Because these people are like, girl, you jump off that bridge. I'm coming with you. I love it. I love it. As long as, you so keep, awesome. as long as you keep going single, single, double, we're coming with you. Just stay on beat. Just, Just stay, stay on, on beat. beat. Don't mess the 30 oh, down. Man, never, ever do we do that. <laughs> nope. So funny. Oh man, thank you for making me remember that. That is so yes, funny. I love it. That's so awesome. <laughs> well, got, that's all the questions I have. That's for all you. you got. Good, 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 yeah. good. All right, Lauren. Um, so what do we have next? What do we have next for our listeners? Well, now that they know a little bit more about us personally and our embarrassing stories and our vices, you know, um, and professionally, so the different things that we've done, it's time to share with them 10 tips to elevate their class experience. So one of our goals, I can't remember if I said this earlier or not, but one of our goals with this podcast was to make sure that if you're going to spend your time listening to us, we actually give you something really easy to implement or tips or takeaways um, that you can put back into your classes because we want this podcast to be something that we can all learn from together. So today, Kia and I came up with our top 10 tips to help you elevate your class experience. Number one, arrive 15 minutes early. So it's so important to arrive at least 15 minutes early early to set up for your class. So at at my facility here in Clemson, we require our instructors to be there 15 minutes early. So that's kind of like their clock in time, if you will, because you want to have all of your stuff set up. You want to have the music playing. If you're going to write your workout out on the board, because we have a big chalkboard, you want to have that done as much as possible. So that way, when your students arrive, you can focus on creating community and talking to your students and helping new people find their stuff versus frantically running around trying to get everything set up. So if you can arrive 15 minutes early, it will go a really long way to help you make your class flow a lot better. So number two, have music playing when your students start to arrive. Absolutely. Music is magic. Music can set the tone and change an entire mood. So Group fitness instructors who I've had the pleasure of managing and developing, I really encourage them to always, the very first thing that they do when they enter the space is to turn on their music because it will change their mood as well. So you have all of these people waiting for you to arrive, waiting to take your class. The best thing that we can do is show up for them and show up at our best. But because we as instructors and teachers, we're all human. That I know. We're not robots. We're not programmed to always smile and be on. But sometimes we get stuck in traffic. We have bad days. But we want to make sure that we're able to, to sometimes check that to an extent. Check that at the door. So turn on your music so that it can set your personal mood so that you're able to perform and provide a, a 
to those who arrive. And also we want to make sure that we have that positive, upbeat music on when the participants or when our students enter the space as well, because that helps change their mood. That provides them an escapism as well from a funky day that they may be having so that they know that they're in the right place. They're in the brave space where they can let go and have a good time. We also wanna make sure the music that we have playing when people enter the space is the music that is similar to what is going to happen in the class. So we wanna make sure that the music matches the format. So for example, we would not have maybe coffee shop Pilates type music playing <laughs> when we're teaching a cycle class, you know? If that's right. not the music that they're gonna hear when they're performing or exercising, that's not what we're going to play. So we want to make sure I even just play the tracks that they're going to hear later in class, because that's like a preview so that their mind can start wrapping around the beat and the rhythm, especially if we're teaching or performing to or exercising to um, choreograph or or to the beat. I keep saying performing, like, because I'm always I, a dancer. I like it. A dancer <laughs> when we're exercising but it is a performance too it is it is but yeah so music is magic also always make sure that we have that music on when individuals enter our space number three yes. or tip number three greet your students at the door so I think this one is so important because um, when you are having people, when you're welcoming people into your class, it's like you're welcoming them into your home. You wouldn't just leave the door open and stay in your kitchen when someone new comes to your house. You would greet them at the door. So you want to make sure you greet students at the door, learn their names if possible, tell them what equipment they're going to need so they're not confused or nervous. And especially for new students, there's nothing worse than walking into to a place and just kind of like standing in the lobby because you don't know what you're supposed to do or where you're supposed to go or what you're supposed to get. Mm -hmm. So as much as you can, greet students at the door and always set up your new students so you set them up for success. Tip number four, have a rock star introduction planned for every class. Absolutely. Very important that you have a rock star introduction. And this is something that you should plan ahead of time, maybe even yeah. write out and rehearse. Um, because you don't want to be up in front of everyone and your first exposure to them or introduction is you stumbling over your words. But you want to make sure that you know what's going on in that class. But this is also your opportunity to formally introduce yourself to everyone and let them know that you are the person who's going to take them on this amazing journey. We know that with our clients and participants and students, there are many exercise barriers. There's a lot of baggage that they carry with them. But if someone has the, the gumption, that has the, the, is bold enough to enter that space, to come to your studio, come to your gym, we just want to let them know, listen, I thank you for that and I got you. And this is your opportunity to do that in your rock star introduction. So let them know that you are who you are and let them know what they're getting themselves into. So you give them an example or an explanation of what this class is that they're taking so that they can, you know, kind of break down at least one barrier of, okay, I know what I'm getting myself into. I know that we're going step A, B, C, and D, even though I'm pretty concerned about step D, if I can at least make it to C, I might be okay. And also because mm -hmm. for many of us, maybe this has happened for you, Lauren, I know it's happened to me. We have those friends 
who drag us to these brand new classes that we know nothing about. And it's like, uh, I'm not quite sure about this. I'm only here because he or she made me come. But when an instructor gets in front of you and say, this is what you're getting yourself into, that kind of allows you that opportunity to exhale. So we want right. to give our students and our participants that opportunity to exhale and to know, okay, she or he, they got me so I can do this. Let's get it in, you know? So always have that rock star introduction of introdu introducing yourself in the format at hand. Number five. Face your class during the warm-up. This one can take a little practice because if you're facing the class, we all know we have to do something called mirror imaging. So mm -hmm. you have to say right, but you have to go on your left foot. So it does take a little bit of practice. But then once you get it, and after you've been teaching for a while, your left becomes your right and your right becomes your left. And when you're in your real life, you can't function because you're so used to saying the opposite. Um, but when you face your class during the warm-up, it allows you the opportunity to really connect with your class at the beginning. So it allows you to make genuine eye contact, mm -hmm. not eye contact through the mirror. It allows you to survey your class's form and where their fitness levels are so you can more accurately or effectively plan your class. If you're teaching a warm-up and you start doing body weight squats and people's form is all off, then maybe you shouldn't load their bar up with really heavy weights and have them do squats later on in class. So it's a really important moment for you to kind of assess the room. It's also a great time for you to educate your students on what's to come. So maybe you teach them or you break down some more complicated choreography in the warm up and then teach it later on, or you teach them something about form that they'll need to know later on. And if you're facing them, then you can really make sure that they get that educational movement. It's also a great way to create community. Mm -hmm. You can be more conversational if you're facing your class than if you're like, Hey guys, welcome to my class. And now here's my bum. Right. Let me turn around. <laughs> There are definitely classes like Zumba and Balatone and kickboxing. We are going to face the mirror for the majority of the choreography. But even for those highly choreographed classes, I still try to face my students as much as possible in the warm up. So you do have that connection time. Absolutely. Tip number seven, move. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped one. Tip number six pre-plan your modifications and your progressions. Absolutely. Very important because our ultimate goal as um, service providers, as group fitness instructors, is to make sure that everyone leaves feeling successful and accomplished. No, and fitness is not one size fits all, or at least it shouldn't be. So we want right. to make sure that every single person who comes into our space knows that we are credible enough, experienced enough, and prepared enough to be able to take them on an individual journey too, even though they're involved in a group exercise or group fitness class. So this is how you do it. You make sure that you have plenty of options and progressions and regressions so that there's something for everyone. And you can give them the option. If you feel like doing this, go for it. If you want to regress it back, you can do that too. So it's very important for you as a group fitness instructor that you prepare these ahead of time. So have at least three options for every single exercise so that you can, can display or um, show them or give them to different people in the class. And you want to make sure that they are similar enough to the actual move or exercise that you want 
the majority of the class to be doing so that everyone feels included. You want it to be an, an inclusive experience, never exclusive. So saying, so not saying, okay, those of us who can do these body weight squats, that's what we're going to do. If you can't do it, you go over here and do, I don't know, high knees, something else. So that's like making them feel like, I can't. And that's the last thing that we want to do as group fitness instructors. Right. We're about filling people up, you know, filling their love tank, filling their cup, saying you can, you can do this. If not like this, you can do it like that. So we want to make sure ahead of time that we pre-plan multiple modifications, options, progressions, and regressions so that there's something for everyone. So agree. All right. And number seven, move around the room. So this kind of ties back into facing your class during the warm-up. Um, we want to make sure that everyone in class feels like we notice them and that we care that they are there. And if you stay in the front of the class the entire time, then you're going to miss all of those people on the back wall, on the sides of the room. So the more that you can move around the class, the better. And at first, when you first start teaching, especially if it's a highly choreographed class, that can be a little bit difficult. But I tried to, or in the beginning, I tried to think through, okay, what parts of my class would be easiest for me to move around the room or what parts of class does it not matter very much if my students can see me? So whether you're doing maybe a Tabata or in bar, you're in flat back fold over and they can't see you really well anyways, or you're doing some kind of interval and you can walk around the room and coach. If you can pre-plan out times for you to move around the room or to teach from different spots of the room. When I teach bar, I teach almost every song from a different spot. So one time I'll be on the side of the room and then I'll be on the front bar and then I'll be on the back bar and then I'll be on the other side of the room and then I'll be in the middle of the room. So I, that way I'm having the opportunity to connect with everyone. Um, so it can really help to increase engagement, help people to really know that you notice them and that you care that they are there. I actually read, I can't quote the exact statistic, but I was reading in a fitness journal a couple of months ago that one of the reasons or one of the number one reasons that people leave a gym is that they feel like nobody noticed or no one would care if they didn't come back. Oh, wow. They're like, yeah, I'm just not going to go today because no one's going to notice anyways. Um, and I thought that was so interesting. Um, so it really is, it can really make a big difference if you go up to someone at the bar and you're teaching that segment next to them and off the microphone, you give them a personal motivational um, cue, like you're doing a great job, Susie, or um, way to hold the squat, Anne-Marie, or something like that. So it can, it can make a big difference in how people feel. Right on. So moving on to tip number eight here, encourage interaction and create community. Absolutely. I think um, if we were to sum up the group fitness experience, it's about creating community. You know, it it's, it's a group of people moving together. Like it, it gets no more personal or intimate to me than that, than slinging your own sweat from your body to someone else's, you know? <laughs> So, it's right. about, so the experience is about creating community. Now, as instructors, how do we do that? As you mentioned before, learning people's names, but also introducing people to each other, your participants to each other. Um, it's so amazing, especially with me working in different college settings and traveling a lot. It's incredible what just taking the moment to learn someone's name and learn where they're coming from and being, being able to say, hey, I just met 
Susie and she's from the same place as you come meet Susie and then they right. become friends and then we create sort of accountability partners too even though it may not be as structured as that as a, an accountability coach but because like you just quoted that that statistic now that we've created this community letting people know hey we're all friends here we're all on a fitness journey together that when you wake up that morning you feel like uh don't really feel like working out, but Susie might be there and I want to be there for her. And inadvertently, I'm being there for myself too. Or Lauren is my favorite group fitness instructor. I know she's going to be there because she's got a good track record of always being there. I don't want to let her down. I'm going to go too. That's creating accountability and community, but also the 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 happiness, the excitement within the arena, within the space, where you feel and you act upon it to give someone a high five and say, you're doing a good job. And they'll return that favor too of, oh man, your squat form is looking so good. How do you do it? Or, oh man, I really like those pants that you're wearing. Where can I get those? I've had participants in my class go on to get married, go on to be each other's, you know, maid of honors, go on to be each other's um, godparents to each other's children. That's about creating community, community that becomes like family, where you see someone in the grocery store and you're like, hey, that's such and such from my yoga class. It's a beautiful thing. And it just transformed your own fitness journey and your own life. And that's what we're about. That's why we do what we do as group fitness teachers and instructors. We create community. Number nine. Create a playlist that speaks to everyone. Now, Lauren, I really want you to talk to our listeners about this because you are so great about creating stellar playlists. Tell us, how do we do this? Well, thank you. Well, you said it best. Music is magic. And I truly believe, I kind of mentioned it earlier and when I was talking about my personal experience um, about listening to music in the airport, and I will 100% admit, I'm, I am a very anxious person. I've struggled with anxiety my whole life. And, and music is, is something that really, really helps me. Um, so to me, creating playlist and using my playlist to create in a really amazing experience for my clients is something that's really near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. So I do spend a lot of time thinking about, okay, what is this song saying to the participants? Is this a tempo that's going to get them excited? Or is this a tempo that we're going to get down and gritty and hold the squat and hold the plank? Or is this a great tempo for a cardio song? Do these lyrics leave you feeling up lifted and strong and powerful. So that would be a great song for a cool down. Um, so it really is more than just picking a bunch of songs, putting them on and teaching to them. If you really think about using your playlist to create an experience from start to finish, then your class becomes so much more. And I, in my personal life, love country music. That's pretty much all I listen to in the car or when I'm working. I either listen to country music or gospel music or Christian music, not things that you would necessarily teach to. So when I go to make a playlist for class, it's very, very intentional about what does this segment need to feel like? And then what song goes with that? Um, so versus just picking a bunch of songs that I like. I also think about the fact that everyone has different musical tastes. So I always try to pick 
songs from either different genres or different eras that sound different um, so that everyone at least has a moment in class to be like, oh, I love this song or this song makes me excited or I remember this song from high school or whatever it is. Um, so really trying to create those magical moments in class with the music and then also using the music to drive your class, to drive the motivation and to have your students experience kind of that warm, fuzzy, nostalgic feeling um, at some point. So it really can be so much more than just a list of 15 songs. Absolutely. All right. Last but not least, tip number 10, close with a thank you and invite them back. Very good. Absolutely. So a group fitness class, sometimes you can maybe even compare this to throwing a party at your house. You greet people at the door, as we talked about earlier, but you will probably also walk them to the door after the party ends, right? And thank right. you for coming. And because you've shared your home, you shared your, your personal space with these people, you've vibed together, you've transferred positive energy to get together throughout this space. You, you probably will want to invite them back. You know, you, you've built this community. You've developed these relationships. You want to let them know, hey, at any point in time when you feel ready, come on back to me. I'm here for you as your coach, as your group fitness instructor. Come back to me. So thank them. Thank them for their time. Thank them for their effort. Because that took a lot out of some people to just even be there with you. Thank them for that. And they will feel that. They will feel your, your genuine thankfulness to them. And that makes them feel encouraged to come back. Not just to you, but back to their fitness. So that they will remain consistent on their journey. And continue to progress and get better. Feel better to heal, to get healthier and stronger. And that's what we want. But be sure to always invite them back. That's kind of giving them that that um, tangible, maybe not tangible, but reaching out a hand to them saying, you know, touch my hand. When you're ready to come back, we're going to make this happen. We're going to rock at this. This is your home as much as it is mine. You belong here. I belong here. And we're going to keep this going. So I always, always close every by saying, thank you so much for being here. I love you for your efforts. I'll be teaching again, same time, same place. Or you can come back and experience these other instructors, these other classes. Either way, we just need you here. And that's what keeps people coming back. That's your, your retention for your business and your company. So all in all, those are our top 10 tips for ways to elevate your fitness class and experience. Lauren, what do you have for us? Thank you so much, guys, for joining us on our premiere episode. We're excited um, to start this journey with you all. So stay tuned. We will re be releasing our second episode very soon. It is all about how to harness the power of social media to grow your classes, grow your fitness business, grow your brand. But there are we are not going to be talking about fancy algorithms or anything like that. Again, sticking with those tangible tips, we're also going to have some guest speakers on how they have utilized social media to grow their different fitness businesses. So stay tuned for that, and we will see you next time. Thank you all so much for listening and joining. We can't wait to join you again. This has been Fit and Fierce on the Mic. Thank you all for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like it, share it, and review it. It helps other fitness professionals find the show. And be sure to follow us on social media at Fit and Fierce on the Mic so you don't miss a beat. We look forward to connecting with you soon. Thanks so much.